Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. I am Connor DeLynn. Hope y'all are doing well. Thanks for listening. Just a little reminder, if you're still enjoying the show, leave a review, subscribe, share it with your friends. I love seeing that happen. Uh, Today, we're going to jump back into uh, another episode with an interview with someone from the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, We've taken a couple episodes off that. I told you they wouldn't necessarily all be in order, but this is something that I've really enjoyed having these conversations that are open, they're real, they're authentic, and hopefully you are gaining something from listening to these conversations as well. What was really cool about today's episode is this is a guest that was brought to me by a listener. I had a couple different listeners reach out to me and say, hey, you need to reach out to this guy. One of them I'll talk about in just a second was actually Alan Michael Boston, who was a former guest on the show like 50 episodes ago. I can't believe I can say that now, 50 episodes ago. Uh, But anyway, today we're going to be interviewing Cayman Cardiff. Uh, He in a lot of ways, on the outside, completely fits in. We'll talk about this. He's from Georgia. He's from the South. Uh, If you go to Cayman's Instagram, you will see he is a model. He is all-American ripped country boy, and he fit right in on the outside in football teams and basketball team and baseball and being that kind of man's man of types. But inside, he realized pretty early on that he wasn't attracted to women like everyone else around him. He was attracted to men. And his coming to understand what that meant, and now as he has embraced that authentic self, uh, kind of how his perspective has changed and uh, how his life has changed, I really got a lot from this interview. Uh, There is a line that you'll see is the title of this episode that Cayman says when he starts talking about empathy, and he said, empathy is a superpower. And I'll tell you, when I was listening, you know, from the other end, just a part of this conversation, and he said that, that phrase just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I really feel like that's such the goal of what I'm doing here with this show. And hopefully what you all try to do is, you know, one, you listen, but two is you try to apply these types of principles of being open and non-judgmental and understanding and not to write someone off because of one attribute about their life to know that humans are complicated and we're all just trying to help each other out on this planet spinning around. I loved that phrase. He's right. Empathy is a superpower, and Cayman displays that with grace. Here we go. Well, Cayman Cardiff, welcome to Millennial in the Middle. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and be willing to join the show. No problem. Glad to be here. So, you know, I started a little while ago, I, I talked about, you know, some of the listeners that I wanted to do a series with members of the LGBTQ plus community in really a desire to understand the power of being yourself, of finding the middle, of finding common ground there. I think there are often questions that, you know, we, we don't understand because we don't feel comfortable necessarily asking and we don't have that conversation where immediately when we do, we realize that, you know, there's a whole lot more in common that we maybe we made a whole lot more out of this than ever needed to be. And uh, in just my time talking to you a little bit, I think this will really be good for our listeners. And what I love about this too, is we have some listeners on the show that actually recommended that you come on and uh, said, Hey, I think he'd be a great ambassador to talk to. Uh, and actually one of them is a guest on the show, Alan Michael Boston. 
So he was back like episode 21. Tell us, how did you know Alan Michael? So um, I come from an LDS Mormon background and I um, ended up serving a mission in the San Diego, California um, mission, I, I, which I hear is, is where you also yeah, we have that in <laughs> served. We kind of missed each other by a few months. But, um, and when I was there, I actually served as a companion with, with Alan Michael and such a genuine, amazing guy. We were both from the South. So it just, it just, we hit it off real, real quickly. And uh, yeah, he made for just a really fun few months um, because he was just, such a cool guy. So, so you say you're from the South where at? Yeah. So I technically uh, grew up in Georgia. I was born in Kentucky, but pretty, pretty early on moved to Georgia and kind of uh, had my formative years there in Savannah. So right by the coast. Very cool. So I love that area. So you're from Savannah and I'll tell you just for maybe those of you that are listening to the episode and not watching, like you have the look of the total, like a Southern all American boy. Uh, I will tell you right now, like Cayman is absolutely ripped. We'll talk about that here in a minute. And, and so like you are this Southern guy that you would think is probably like going to football games, totally masculine and all that. But then all of a sudden, like someone finds out, oh, well, Cayman's gay. So, so tell me like one, when, when did you kind of know, was that a part of your childhood? Did you feel weird? Is this like all American Southern boy in Georgia knowing you're gay? What was it like? Well, I mean, I grew up in a family that was very basketball football centric, uh, my father played football in college, and since I was, like, young enough to hold a basketball, I, I remember learning how to dribble. So, like, uh, sports has always been a, a super huge part of my life, and uh, it wasn't until about middle school when I started realizing, oh, I'm looking at guys the way that I had assumed I was supposed to be looking at girls um, <laughs> in, in that kind of, uh, you know, awakening of sorts. Sure. And at that point, I was just like, well, this will be interesting. <laughs> so I just kind of <laughs> let it like gel for a little bit. Didn't really do much about it, but just kind of continued on because, you know, I kind of had my life plan set out for me in terms of what I would do high school eventually. And then go on a mission and then college, the whole thing that, you know, parents tend to, to, to give to you. So sure. it wasn't really until middle school. And then after that, I just kind of figured I'd put everything on hold and figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me this, I, I love on the show, breaking down stereotypes, right? Like, Oh, we'd expect people to be this way, or we place a label on someone and we think that we can assume all these different things about them. So like the stereotype often for, a gay man is that they may be more feminine and they're not into sports. And that's a common story that you hear, right? Of like, my parents wanted me to play sports, but I wanted to dance or I wanted to be in musicals and that wasn't a fit. So did you, were you into sports? Did you like it? Was it something that was exciting for you? I, I have always been like more athletically inclined in terms of, of just the things that I've enjoyed. I mean, I, I love basketball came to, to find that I also love volleyball football. Yeah. I, I did more for my father just because yeah. he was dead set that I was going to play football and I didn't and really you're from Georgia. It. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just what you do down there. And, um, but it wasn't actually until I got up here or over here in, in Utah and started, uh, 
a few of the other interests, um, athletic interests that I that I love. One of those being aerial silks. If you've ever been to any uh, show in Vegas where okay. they've got uh, like acrobatic performers, there's generally an aerial silks um, show involved, and uh, it's something that I've recently gotten into. So I'd say I have an overall love of athleticism and just using my body to um, do really fun, interesting, cool things. And I love competition. And so I think it's just a good fit, basketball, volleyball, um, any of the other sports that you can play with people. I dabbled in soccer. Like, I mean, I just, I just really love trying things. And so to kind of break that stereotype, I guess, I just, I kind of follow my intuition and try not to, to go off of what I think I should enjoy and just try things and, and figure out if I like them or not. Yeah. I love that mindset. And I think it's something we all should adopt or, you know, being open to new opportunities and hobbies, interests. I, what I think is cool about you is you from the, from an outward appearance would appear to totally fit in, right? Like <laughs> this guy totally fits in on the football team or whatever. Um, but did you feel internally, like you said, all of a sudden you felt maybe a different attraction of, oh, my, my buddies are talking about girls this way, but I'm not feeling that. In fact, I feel this for men. Like, did that consume you feeling like you weren't a part of the group or didn't fit in? Um, that is actually a really good question because like I had mentioned, it wasn't as much of a, a, a changing of attraction except more of a realization of attraction. And so that being said, like I was already with friends and and kind of in this like space I had actually moved from Kentucky to Georgia uh, at that time kind of when I had that realization so I already wasn't like super close with any any group of friends at that point which I think kind of helped in, in a sense because I was able to to try and just fit in wherever wherever I wanted to mm -hmm. and so all through middle school and high school I essentially just tried to be the friend to everyone, if that makes sense. Uh, when, it, when it came to sports teams, um, there definitely was a sense of machismo and masculinity that like, I felt like I could fit in, but it just felt a little bit too much for me at times. Um, and I, I always felt like I was kind of harboring that little like secret of like, okay, I hope they don't think that I'm like attracted to them because I just want male friends if yeah. that makes sense and so like I was never out in high school but I just never wanted that to become like a question if that yeah. makes sense no that really does and I, I think it puts you in a difficult position right because you you do fit in in you know nine out of ten boxes right like you are a part of the group but then feeling inside and it, it, did you have that thought of like oh how would your relationships change if people knew that about you, like you said that secret, right? Like if that secret came out, how do you think your high school life maybe would have been different? Well, I think that at the period of time when I was in high school, things were starting to change socially, but they hadn't fully changed because I have a young brother who's turning 20 this year. Mm -hmm. And um, at, it, it's interesting talking with him about his high school experience versus 
my high school experience polar opposites i played the the perfect um role that i was supposed to play as a mormon or lds member and i made sure to do everything so that i could show what i believed show who and what christianity was but also what being an lds person meant and so i I kind of felt this social pressure to to do that and also not fit in in a sense because i lived in georgia and nobody was was lds or mormon there sure. um whereas my younger weird, brother you weren't drinking alcohol right like, yeah that exactly was the like, thing, not who you were attracted to exactly and yeah. so that was already like just kind of this like separator for me mm-hmm. but um when it came to my little brother he didn't really ever associate with the church he never really associated with um with being lds or mormon and so it it was just funny talking to him like he did go out and have those experiences with his friends and he did do a lot of the things that looking back now i kind of wish i had had the opportunity to experience and understand and 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 try and and kind of socialize in a different way but I never really had those issues with my sexuality because one, I wasn't dating anyone and I never really felt like I wanted to date anyone. Guys um, or girls. Yeah. You yeah. weren't interested and, in dating girls. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I turned 16 and you know, that's the, the, the LDS age or Mormon age for dating. And I mean, I went on dates and stuff and I went to multiple proms every year, but like, it was always just kind of a, <laughs> I don't know, just, just a social fun thing. And I was never serious with anyone or anything like that because I kind of had this life plan, this life goal of like, okay, I want to go on my mission. I want to go to college. And like, that's really when my life begins. And so high school was just more of a a period of time where I learned a little bit about myself, but it wasn't really the most um, growth and I guess the period of the most growth and understanding as I have in the, the past few years being in college. Yeah. Well, and that, that's something that's not unique of having your high school be a time where maybe you do feel like a little bit of a misfit or out of place or not fully, yeah. you know, trying to find where you fit in. That that's something that's very common across the human experience. So tell me this, you, you do go on a mission. Obviously we say that you, you know, you checked all the boxes. You did a lot of those things, right. And played that role that you felt you needed to play. At what point did you then make the decision like this isn't authentic to me and in making that decision to come out? Yeah. Well, I knew that after I kind of checked those boxes that I needed to leave home and kind of learn and understand for myself how to be a human. <laughs> and so that's when I I left Georgia and went to Provo, Utah, <laughs> the place of places to learn who you are. And um, it was actually when I went to Provo that I, I kind of became aware of and subsequently disenfranchised from the culture that permeates um, that area, especially of Utah. Um, And essentially that's when I started to experience things for myself and make decisions for myself. And I oftentimes like to think of it um, as a box inside of my head where since before I was born, I was 
um, socialized into being the Mormon or the, the LDS member named Cayman. And so I kind of had my identity superimposed inside of the LDS or Mormon identity. And in, in at BYU, that's really when I was able to take out that, that Cayman box, if that makes sense, and really explore my own identity and kind of assign to myself who I was and really explore and dive into what I enjoyed, what I liked, and ultimately my, my sexuality as well, and was able to confront that and be okay with and, and love myself um, as a gay queer person. <laughs> yeah. What was that? What was the reaction to you coming out? Um, on a familial level, it was not the worst. (laughs) So like my, my parents were, um, they, they had a little bit of a hard time, but more than anything, they were just listening and trying to understand because the way that I posed it to them was like, I just want you, I'm the same person. You just didn't really know everything about me. And now I want to share with you a little bit more about who I am. And because I, I, I don't think it's, it's necessary to go into detail about sexual lives or, or anything like that, but just, yeah. just a little bit piece of understanding. Like, yeah, if I, if I come around on Thanksgiving or Christmas and I'm dating someone and it's serious, I will most likely be bringing a man. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I want them to, wanted them to kind of understand that and that there's nothing it's sad because one of the first questions that my mother asked was, well, did something happen to you as a child (laughs) or all these Mm -hmm. kind of other misconceptions or ideas? And it's like, no, mom, this is just who I've always been. And I didn't feel comfortable expressing that (laughs) in the social setting that I grew up in. Uh, As for friends and other people, it's, it's been well-received. Like I, I have, I surround myself with people that, that care about me and people that I love. And I think that's really what matters. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, one, congratulations and, you know, all the support to you. I, I, I would say it's interesting because I think one of the common responses to the LGBTQ community from those that are heterosexual, right, is like, you'll hear a comment like this. Uh, well, I don't talk about how I'm straight all the time. Like, that's not a big part of me. I'm not waving a flag or rubbing it in anyone else's face. So how come this community has to talk about their sexuality so much, right? Like you hear that type of comment. So how would you respond in saying, like, how much do you think your sexuality is a part of you? Like when you have that conversation and you change that bit to your parents, I love how you said, like, I'm the same person. You're just seeing a different part of me. So where do you stand on that? (laughs) I think that is, to be honest, uh, a, a question or a thought or an idea that isn't fully thought through (laughs) because if you actually understand um kind of the dynamic that's going on uh, within the lgbtq community and um why it's it's it is something that we feel necessary to express then you'd have a little bit more empathy or understanding because as most (laughs) um heterosexual white men um it is, uh, it's really hard to understand um, that kind of idea that, hey, I am somebody who is actually socially 
been marginalized. I want to have the same respect that I try and give to you and vice versa. Um, and when it comes to explaining our sexuality, it's, it's not about explaining to you that I have this kind of sex. That's, that's not at all what it is. I want you to understand who I am a little bit better because it does go against what is socially the norm. Um, because I don't want you to think any less of me, any different of me. I want to be accepted and, and respected as, as an individual, as a human. I would rather not tell you anything about my sexuality because I frankly don't think you need to know. But if it's going to make a socially awkward situation or make things questioned, then I feel like it is something that can be expressed. Um, when it comes to pride and those um, sorts of things, that comes from history, <laughs> comes from a feeling of accomplishment, comes from a feeling of being marginalized and repressed, just like many other minority groups um, in, in various um, spheres around the world. <laughs> and so I, I don't think it's about flaunting as much as it is about celebrating the ability to have that respect and, and be the individual's that that we are yeah that that was extremely well put and i am now seeing why i've had a couple of listeners tell me have him on the show right because i think <laughs> that is a perspective that's so good for us to see because you know i think often one of the best examples, I mean, you used the phrase, you said people that might be out of the norm, right? And what changes your opinion about people that are out of the norm is a personal experience, right? And, you know, we all have those experiences in our time where, oh, I, I might've thought this way about someone, but then I actually got to meet someone and they became a friend and close and we interacted. And that is what changed my perspective. That's what changed the way I, I, you know, look at that. And to me, I think that's probably the biggest thing that's happening right now is that more and more people on that, let's say, do fit into the norm are having real experiences and authentic experiences with people that may not be. And it, that is making people question, you know, that, uh, that thought process that maybe they've had for a while. And I think whether it's race, uh, I mean, with Alan Michael, we talked about race, right. And it's like, it's not enough to say I have a black friend or I have a gay friend, right. With that black friend, have you been able to have conversations and be real and be authentic and allow each other to both feel in that position. So that really helps as you, as you explain that to me, thanks for enlightening me, lightening me there. Yeah. It's about exposure. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. So, so tell me this, um, you now you're at the university of Utah, you are living, you know, you said earlier, like that you're being your true self. Tell me the difference for you in your like mental well-being and state of happiness and just life in general of you now compared to you with this little part of your life that you weren't making public. Um, I think the differences can be both vast and also subtle. Um, when it comes to the vast differences, obviously my life is, is much different. I, I'm dating a man. I am openly gay. I am current, like for me, I, I'm not a member of the LDS faith anymore. Um, those are like kind of the big changes. 
but the subtle changes to my to my mental um, health and my emotional well being, I think, definitely underlie uh, the importance of what we were just talking about as as being your authentic self. Because for me, being myself, there is no longer this fractured identity uh, between what I outwardly show and what I inwardly feel. Um, there is the there there's no longer this. Um, fear of exposing myself to um, potential dangers. Um, I've put myself in a place where I have safety, I have security. I'm in, a, I'm in Salt Lake City, uh, which is actually a very, very um, queer and LGBTQ friendly place. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I have felt those fears of like, oh, I don't want anybody to see me holding a hand of, of my significant other, because I don't want them to have any hatred towards me and, and potentially harm me mm -hmm. and, and things like that, which is something that I don't think anyone should ever have to worry about. Um, but what I love about being queer and one of the biggest and most important things that I often stress to people um, that, that I talk to about this subject is the ability for me, having been in these situations where I have felt marginalized, I have felt afraid for my life. I have felt X, Y, and Z negative feeling because of who I am. I have what I call the, the superpower that, that we humans can, can get, and that's empathy. I, I, I really feel that empathy is one of the most important abilities that we can have. Empathy towards myself, self-love, self-care, ability to understand and be okay with my failures and, and my subtle issues and things like that. Empathy towards others, uh, the ability to understand, okay, they may be going through a hard time right now. I probably shouldn't be on their tail about X, Y, or Z thing. Um, empathy towards situations in life, being able to recognize, okay, not everything's going to happen because, you know, I've been there before, but it's okay. Um, and I think that is something that many people, um, don't get to fully experience until they've been in a situation in, wh in which they've felt uh, harmed, uh, whether emotionally, mentally, physically, um, or marginalized. And, and I, I think that is, is something that I love more than anything about my queer experience is the ability to empathize and, and, and try and understand things from other people's perspectives, even if it's somebody who for some reason or another hates me. <laughs> yeah, man. Empathy is a superpower. I, I love really that. Is. I agree with you. And you saying that, I mean, I, I really, I felt that as you said that, because it's something I've tried to do on this show is increasing an understanding and empathy. And to me, like hopefully everyone listening right now, you listen to a show like this, to gain empathy, to practice that superpower. And it's not something that we either have or we don't. It's not a black or white, like, <laughs> yeah, like we go through life and we are presented with, with learning experiences all the time that give us the chance to increase in empathy. And it, that's, 
only stage one. And then once that increase of empathy happens, then what do we do because of it? What do we, you know, how do our actions change? How do the way we treat others or the things that we say about others when they're not around, right? Like how does all of that come into place with empathy? I, it is so, so well put. And, and to me, I, the other piece I wanted to pick out from what you just said there is the power of trying to eliminate fear from your life. Um, fear is such a negative emotion, especially when it's used to control or manipulate others, but especially within ourselves. Um, you know, when within ourselves, we feel that fear is dictating us and our actions we're taking and taking us further away from that, you know, person that who you truly feel you are. And so I think that would maybe be an invitation to those listening, like take a look at the places in your life that you feel you make decisions on based by fear and what can you do to remove that emotion from your psyche? Yeah. On, on that superpower subject, I, (laughs) flight, super strength, invulnerability, laser eyes, like those superpowers are so self-serving. Whereas I feel like empathy is all serving and can help everyone. And I think it actually helps with that, that fear, um, being able to understand a situation from having firsthand experience helps you to recognize and dial down and control yourself um, and your emotions um, in a much more healthy manner, including fear. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I can't wait to see the transcript of this episode because I definitely think there's been some gems that people might look to. Uh, tell me a little bit now about like what is next for Cayman? Uh, in, in life in general, obviously your authentic self, you have something coming up pretty soon that I want to talk about. And I think when we air this episode, it'll be like, you'll, you'll be there. So uh, you know, to talk about just going against stereotypes, we now have all American Southern football guy from Georgia that is about to compete in an international male pageant. Folks, we can't make this up, right? Like, Cayman, <laughs> tell me about this. Yeah, um, so it's actually funny. I, earlier this year I competed, sorry, there's a helicopter coming by, that's real loud. <laughs> um, earlier this year, I actually competed in what was called the Mr. Grand, um, or sorry, the Mr. Supernational, Um, USA competition. I represented Utah um, as Mr. Utah. And I essentially took first runner up or second place. And uh, so I didn't get to go to Poland with the same um, male pageant, but I was picked up by the Mr. Grand international franchise. And um, I am now going to represent the United States as Mr. Grand USA. Um, this coming no, uh, November and December, I leave on Thanksgiving actually cool. to go and be in Panama City, Panama for a week and a half and then compete in the finals on December 4th for the title of Mr. Grand International. <laughs> that is awesome. So tell me, what, what does this consist of? I'm guessing there's no bikini competition. You're not going to get out there and tell me uh, how you're going to solve world hunger. Like, what does this look like? Yeah, I mean, it is very similar to what you'd think of as a a female um, pageant, but with the Misters pageants, um, this one specifically is actually sports themed. Um, They they 
they are all about athletics. They're all about um, being active and, and, and uh, other things similar. And so um, I actually am not entirely sure of all of the details of this particular pageant, but what I can be sure of is interview questions, um, modeling, and uh, there will be swimwear, not bikinis, obviously, sure. but um, showing off the body. And, and that's one of the biggest reasons to put in all the effort and work into yeah. getting um, the body of, of, um, of a champion, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, there's, there's going to be many different things. When we get there, we're going to um, go in and visit around Panama City and the surrounding areas and have just kind of a a time getting to know the other contestants. Um, but also all of that is considered the preliminary um, to the to the actual pageant. And so there's gonna be judges there watching and, and looking and seeing how we interact. And um, there's gonna be interviews, direct interviews with, with different judges and, mm -hmm. and things like that. It is, it is an ordeal. <laughs> I have to be 100% on pretty much 100% of the time. And it can be, um, emotionally and mentally draining. <laughs> sure. Well, congratulations to you. Make Utah proud, make the U.S. proud. I mean, you. I saw, I went onto the website and I mean, people, when was the last time Miss USA won? I saw, or not Miss, Mr., excuse me, Mr. USA won. Like it had been a minute, right? Go bring home the title. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what I want to do is uh, we've got a good team. Uh, I'm actually going to New York or probably at the time this airs I will have gone to New York <laughs> and uh, prepared with my national director cool. and um, learned a few things that I needed and um, worked with my team here in the U.S. So I, I think I'll have the best chance that I that I can. Oh, good luck. Take well, the title. Those uh, doing it. What's the best way if people want to follow your journey through that? <laughs> Should they follow you on social? How can they do it? Uh, definitely. Instagram. Uh, my my at is Cayman Cardiff, just spelled like my name, yep. no spaces or periods or anything, but C-A-Y-M-A-N-C-A-R-D-I-F-F. -F. You can find me there and uh, I'm always willing to talk to you. So feel free to send messages and support and everything. Got love it. I'll make, to, I'll make sure to put that in the episode notes so they can find you and reach out and send support your way. Uh, and I got to ask this, people are going to go to your Instagram profile. Are you an underwear model too, Cayman? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I definitely do many photo shoots. Um, I, and some of them <laughs> incorporate underwear and um, other, other things that are either sent to me or that I am specifically shooting for. So uh, definitely, definitely a bit of modeling <laughs> and you'll see a lot of that on my Instagram. If I would have come to 21 year old Cayman as a Mormon missionary in San Diego, elder Cardiff, and said that in six to seven years, you'd be a male, uh, underwear model at a male pageant. What would you have said to your future self? Would you have believed that? Um, well, I'd always enjoyed, um, like, working on my body and, and yeah. um, photography and, and even acting, things like that. So I, I, I might've said, mm, bullshit, but, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I might've, I might've been into that and said, you know, I, I could see that maybe not that fast, but yeah, it's definitely been a, a whirlwind, but it's been worthwhile for sure. 
That's awesome. Well, congratulations to you. Best of luck. Thanks so much for the insight that you gave today. Uh, like I said, I, I think there are some nuggets there. I mean, empathy being a superpower and trying to overcome fear and just, you know, what that empathy can do for those around you. Like, I think it's something that we as a world and a society are getting better at. And, you know, if you want to develop more of that, it's pretty easy. Listen, involve yourself with more, with more people that may be different than you have real conversations that aren't just surface level. And I appreciate you being a part of this conversation with me today and being able to uh, willing to share it with all those listening. Uh, I end every episode in the same way. I don't know if there is a singing portion to the uh, talent competition. If there is, this could be a warm up. Clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I